Hi. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything's fine. Everything is fine. Hey, everybody. Everything's fine. Hey, everything's fine. Relax. Everything is just fine. It is Wanko Wednesdays, baby. And let's go. Bob, if the Phillies do anything, they typically do it at 50%. (laughs) That'll be the yearbook next year. Yeah. uh, We won half of our games. We got half of our players vaxxed. Uh, We were fun to watch half the time. Yeah, they are the ultimate 50% team, my man. How about the Phillies start a promo where every time you don't get a hit with a runner in scoring position, you have to get the vaccine? <laughs> yeah, yeah, or, I love that. Or a clubhouse guy sews a needle into the home run hat. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what the vax is like through the head, but hey, you got to figure it'd be effective. I mean, a lot of up there, right? <laughs> you know, it's probably going to be more effective, and it's not going to be effective in our in our in our current situation. Um, we talked before this. We don't want to be negative on this pod because I want to be optimistic about this team because I think we're finally coming around to everybody saying, "Hey." We're buying at the deadline. Also, Dombrowski said we're not selling at the deadline. But you had you had a good point yesterday. If they are flabbergasted and appalled that they can't get over the fifty percent mark, why would you go out and shell millions of dollars and some prospects when you can't even get your players over the vaccination rate? Yeah. Okay. So let's walk this back a little bit. Marcus Taze comes out on Tuesday morning, says that uh, there's a report, you know, he says only about half the Phillies current players are vaccinated and uh, we'll take that for what it's worth. And that ownership is appalled by this and that they have concerns about this. And so I kind of posed the question, okay, you know, like let's not do the morality political conversation about whether or not, you know, it's a personal choice or it's selfish, but just from a strictly baseball standpoint, if you have a team that you are concerned about staying on the field because of the reluctance to get the vaccine, is it really worth adding to that team? And I think that's something that you have to consider. Uh, If you're going to go out and trade minor league prospects, if you're talking about going over the luxury tax, are you going to do it for a team that at any given point could have four or five players go down? And from the time I posed that question yesterday morning, to, to when we're talking now, the Phillies have two more players that are out on COVID protocols and J.D. Hammer and Belly Falter again for the second time this month. So I compare it to a car. I used to be in a car business back in the day. Hmm. What'd you I sell? A car. I was a, uh, worked at a used uh, car dealership in South Jersey. So you were a, a used car salesman. I was not a salesman. I actually like transported the vehicles from auto auctions and stuff like that. Did a lot of like lot work and stuff. I was going to say, so, I don't think you would have been successful as a used car salesman. You don't come off as like smarmy and, and, and just an asshole enough. What can I do to put you in this 87 <laughs> Honda Civic? Um, but like, if I have a car and I don't think I'm going to be able to, to drive it much longer, if I'm not going to be able to drive it past September, why am I going to go out and buy thousand dollar tires or rims or why am I going to go put a brand new audio system in that car and that's sort of the way I look at it now that being said I think the Phillies are going to add and I think they'll just say screw it we have to do it anyway but I bet you that there is a little bit of a concern there 
So it, the first thing is, it's really funny that Marcus Hayes gets his first source from the Phillies in forever after he uh, does a part-time deal with WIP. Um, we got you fighting with, with Twitter profiles going back and forth, and the uh, profile picture is the fanatic. Like you said, uh, Bailey Falter and J.D. Hammer. Bailey Falter for the second time in 10 days. That guy is just a walking virus. Um, what if this brings the Phillies together, Bob? Like, what if we're watching the 2021 Phillies yearbook and there's a chapter called The Pharma Phils and Joe Girardi's narrating it and this was like the Boston Marathon bombing for the Red Sox or like Kobe dying for the Lakers. And they're like, fuck the media, fuck the fans, major league style, we're coming together and we're going to win the whole damn thing. Listen, in professional sports, adversity can break teams or it can bring teams together. And though rallying around the idea of like <laughs> we're not getting vaccinated is maybe the worst narrative of all time. Like, I can't wait for the, the real life. stand for something. Yeah, are we, we going to get a movie of this uh, down the line? Uh, maybe John Middleton's kid can actually be the producer. Yeah, maybe Jeff Lurie can throw up some bucks and make it a real Philly product. Um. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, like if there's enough guys that have that conviction and that belief and say like, this is what's right for us and the hell with the media and the hell with all these people on Twitter crushing us over this, like maybe it has a rallying effect. I have no idea. I mean, stranger things have happened. Like I said, adversity does, it it can rally teams. It can bring guys together. Uh, But I would be, I'd be stunned honestly, if that was the motivating factor, but yeah, why not? What the hell? Did you see Matt Gill writing the article being like, and you know what? In the middle of July, when I wrote my article, I was actually the turning point for the yeah. Phillies. And they rallied around being unvaccinated. Yeah, listen, you know what's kind of crazy? Like, everyone's going at the Phillies' leadership. Like, you know, oh, it's Joe Girardi or this organization should be embarrassed. The organization shouldn't be embarrassed. Like, they want the players to get vaccinated. You know, not to say that there probably aren't people at the ownership level or in the front office level that have some of the same concerns that the players have. But the Phillies because of the collective bargaining agreement, can't do anything about mm-hmm. this. And Joe Girardi doesn't have the power to go up to a, a, a prominent player in the clubhouse. I'm doing everything I can to not use names. But, like, we know Aaron Knoll is on the record, so we'll use him. Yeah. Now, like, Joe Girardi can't go up to Aaron Knoll and say, like, if you don't get vaccinated, you're benched. I mean, like, wh- what reality are we living in here? You know, I get that people are upset about it, but there's just – there's nothing that he can do. His hands are totally tied. But what I find most interesting – isn't that some of the prominent players are scoffing at it? It's that some of the fringe players are scoffing at it. Now, like, I don't know the, the situation behind J.D. Hammer going on the COVID IL last night. Uh, but if it was for tracing purposes, which means he's not vaccinated, if that's what happened, you're talking about a guy that was out of Major League Baseball for quite some time, scratching and clawing to get his way back there. And now he's out. You know, like those opportunities aren't guaranteed to a player like that. Bailey Falter is a really young, intriguing player. We know that he's unvaccinated because he was out last week for tracing purposes. Well, either he caught the virus or he's out again for tracing purposes. That's a guy that's trying to make a name for himself and has some positive momentum right now, and he's been taken off the field two different times this month. That, to me, is is the most interesting dynamic of this whole thing. Uh, Just to add to that a little bit, too, when Matt Breen wrote an article about Falter and Hammer going out, he did get a couple of good quotes from Sam Fold being like, we do, we are making progress a little bit. Like, I guess guys are 
they're, they're still teaching guys. They're still talking to guys about it. I don't know if these guys are on Facebook. If they got, I mean, JT Real Muto, he ate Chipotle for five straight months in the minor leagues, and he's worried about putting the vaccine in his body. I think, the, I think Chipotle, as a guy who eats Chipotle, has fucked up my body more than this vaccine is. I'll go on the record saying that one. It's funny, man. Like, listen, so I've, I've talked to a, a, a couple different players, not Phillies players, uh, but guys at the major league level. And, you know, this one particular player was, was vaccinated. And he said there are just guys that have very strong beliefs, uh, that are very strong-willed about this. Um, but he said, you know, it is interesting. Like, at the same time, a lot of these players will put anything else in their body. You know, they'll, they'll drink like fish. Uh, they'll, they'll do other things. And, you know, but it's the vaccine that they scoff at. And he said, I, it's not lost upon me personally, but at the same time as a professional athlete, the way that, that he kind of described it in the clubhouse is that most guys that, that are vaccinated, look at the players that aren't and just say like, it is your decision. Like we're going to support it as best as we can. Like, I don't think that the vaccinated players in clubhouses across the baseball, uh, across major league baseball are, are like, you know, divided down the middle because of this, like the way that we are on Twitter and Facebook and, and the rest of society. I do think that there is a little bit of like a, all right, like I made this decision. You made your decision. We'll try to get along as best as we can. Yeah. I think it's like people that get arrested in clubhouses and whatnot. It's like, Hey, you know, we're disappointed in you. You're still my teammate, but you know, uh, we'll go out on the field and we'll fight together. When you say uh, beliefs, strong beliefs, it's is it stubbornness? Is it is it Trump? Is it Republican Party? Is it political party? Like what what is it when you talk to these guys? I think it's for every player, it's it's probably a variety of things. And for some players, one of those variables is, is probably more important than than others. For some, it probably is political. For some of it, uh, you know, it's just people not not trusting the, the long-term impact of it. Uh, you know, I think the more that people press on you, you know, certain guys kind of dig their heels in. You know, it's mm -hmm. like, hey, listen, I mean, I'm sure that there is at least, not necessarily in baseball, but just human nature. There are probably people out there that, that would consider it, you know, just kind of letting it play out. But the more they get pressed, the more that they get pressed, they kind of say, you know what? No, I'm not going to do it. You know, mm -hmm. there, there are people that, that think like mm -hmm. that. So I think it could be a variety of issues. But certainly for the Phillies, you know, I, I, I will say this. Like, I went out. I don't know if I said this last week when we talked about it. But I went out. I got vaccinated. Okay? Mm -hmm. Like, I did. I was I, – I wanted to go back to restaurants and bars and, and see people and see my 75-year-old parents. And I just, like, felt – for me, it's what I had to do. Where you, you know, what I'm not going to do though is I'm not going to hop on Twitter and destroy people that are, are unvaccinated. I'm not going to point my finger at them and I'm not going to like turn my nose up at them. I, I just, that's just not, I don't feel that, that yeah. strongly about it. Um, but from a baseball standpoint and what I'm covering here, you cannot argue. Like you see people jumping into Twitter mentions on all these Phillies related COVID stories. It's, it's none of your business. Like focus on the game. You know, they, they don't owe you an explanation. This is part of okay. the game. But it, this is impacting the game. The Phillies yeah. played last night's game without two relievers that may have factored in the night before they're about to go to a full bullpen game. And, you know, one of those guys that was put out on the IL last night might have started this game. 
So like it has a direct impact on what is happening on the field. So you can't say we don't want to hear about COVID anymore. Well, sorry, like it is literally impacting this team's ability to compete at its maximum mm-hmm. capability. And, and there's just no way around that. You're exactly right. I mean, it, it's happening to the Yankees, too. I mean, Aaron Noel loses to a AAA lineup last night. Like, w- what, is, what is going on with him? I saw that he can't – he hasn't completed more than six innings his last 10 of 19 starts. He's got, like, a six-plus ERA since June 1st. I think you wrote about that. Did. I mean, we used to fight over if he was an ace or not. I'm fighting over if he's, like, a, th- a third arm. Yeah, I mean, that's what he's pitching like right now. I mean, his ERA for the season is up to 4.64. I wrote last week that he's run into some bad luck. He hasn't been as bad as some of the numbers suggest, and that's still true. You know, you look at last night's fifth inning, right? Like, just look at the fifth inning of last night's game in a vacuum. He does an okay job for four innings, limits the Yankees to one run. But at the same time, he's run up his pitch count into the low 80s by the fifth inning. He's not going seven or eight like they needed him to last night. You knew that. So already right off the bat, you're kind of looking at a start where he's leaving a little bit of meat on the bone. You want a little bit more. Then he gets to the fifth inning. Runner on third, one out. They're holding a one-run lead. He gets a line out to D.D. Gregorius for the second out. Looks like he may work himself out of this little jam here. Phillies keep the lead. D.D. Gregorius proceeds to throw a 40-foot grenade in the direction of Ronald Torres, it gets by tie game. That's not on Aaron Nola. It's just not. But next batter, one pitch later, here comes 37-year-old Brett Gardner, a 191 hitter who entered the night with three home runs and 199 at-bats. And what does he do? He hangs one. Gardner uses the short porch and left. Boom, home run, 3-2 Yankees. And it felt sort of like game over. Now, in a vacuum, his shortstop bones him, and then he comes back and he gives up a home run that would not have left any other stadium except for Yankee Stadium. That ball carried an 050 expected batting average. It was a cheap home run. The problem is, is that in a vacuum, sure, you can't crush Aaron Nola for that, but it's emblematic of his entire season, and especially what he's done over the last two months. And then on a night they need length, Joe Girardi says, you're our best option. you got to give us one more inning. Get us through the sixth. Give us a shot. And what does he do? He gives up a piss missile, your word, to Gary Sanchez, 436 feet, and then gives up a double after that. He's out of the game, five and a third innings. He has a 6-1-0 ERA since June 1st. Opponents are slugging 536 against him in his last eight starts. Is Aaron Nola better than this? 100%. No doubt about it. But if he can't get it together here over his next 14, 15 starts to close out this season, I don't care what the Phillies do. Go get Chris Bryant. Go get Craig Kimbrell. Go get Starling Marte. Whatever you want to do. If Aaron Knowles is going to pitch to a six ERA down the stretch, they have no shot. Good segue. What do the Phillies need most in your opinion? Is it offense? Is it bullpen? Is it a third, maybe fourth, fifth starter? What do you think? Does Dave Dombrowski only trade for vaccinated players at the deadline? Get the vac- unvaccinated players out of here? Like, what, what do you think? Because there's there rumors. Are certain, there are going to be certain teams that only take players who are vaccinated. Like, it's not going to be worth them jeopardizing the 85% um, threshold to, to take on younger guys or, or, or budding players. Like, they're going to say, hey, listen, like, we're going to, you know, if it's a major league return. I do think there will be a handful of teams that will take that into consideration. I really do. Um, But I don't think for the Phillies it's going to be a determining factor. I mean, honestly, you know, where you're at with this team right now, let's say half the players are vaccinated. 
what's adding one more guy who's unvaccinated really going to do? I mean, I know that every single player in and of themselves can present a unique set of, of issues. Like, that player can be the player that brings the virus in. But I don't think it's going to be a determining factor for the Phillies. I don't. To answer your question about what should they do or what are they best suited to do, I get the idea of attacking center field. I mean, listen, Travis Jankowski's done a fantastic job for this team. He's had some timely hits. He's made some big plays. But there's a, a risk of running a, a guy into overexposure. He's a role player. He's not a major league everyday guy that's going to be able to take down 300 plate appearances over a half a season and hit 320 or 290 for you. He's just not. He's never been that guy. So is he a nice player? Sure. Is Odubel Herrera at times a streaky player that can give you some, some juice? Sure. But they have a hole out there. They can upgrade in center field. But when you consider the need for, for at least one, maybe two high leverage arms in the back of the bullpen and a, a suddenly intense need to add to your starting rotation, I just don't know how you can make it a priority to go out and talk about Chris Bryant, Starling Marte, and try to add to this offense. I mean, listen, man. They're in a situation now with Zach Eflin going out with a knee injury. This is a guy who has had chronic knee issues. He had knee surgery five years ago. You know, the Phillies don't seem overly concerned. This may be more of a precautionary measure, but you have to at least have a little bit of pause over his availability now moving forward. You have Vince Velasquez. If you take out his numbers against the Marlins this season, has been terrible. I mean, his best starts have just – he's been dominant against the Marlins, but he's struggled against pretty much everybody else. That's a concern. Matt Moore's done a nice job since he's come back into the rotation. He gives you four innings. You know, I mean, he gives you four really good competitive innings, but that's it. Aaron Nola's a mess. They need two starting pitchers in the back end of that rotation right now. So I just don't know how you, you focus on offense when you have these pitching needs. So are you still are you still buying at the deadline? It doesn't seem like you're like you are have the highest of hopes, if I can use a yeah. cliche there well you know to be honest with you like yes because I think you have to you have an opportunity in front of you here like and you still have to have confidence in what you what you have on this team like you, you would expect you would think that Aaron Nola will be better than this like you would still think if, if you really believe that Zach Eflin's going to come back after 10 days and, and return and not have any issues going forward you have to bank on Eflin being stellar in that three you have to, to bank on Nola having some type of resurgence here, and you have to love what Zach Wheeler's done for you. And so that that's, should be enough if you add a back-of-the-rotation piece. If you go out and get a viable eighth, ninth inning guy, solves a lot of issues. It really shortens up the rest of that bullpen. This division flat-out stinks. And, and, you know, that's not necessarily the reason to make a move. But the opportunity is there. The Mets are not a very good baseball team. They have flaws. The Braves have flaws. The Nationals have flaws. And listen, in a perfect world, the Phillies, when, when John Middleton went out and got Bryce Harper and he brought him home and he took his victory lap, he thought that the Phillies were entering this, this next great run, this next great era of baseball. That path does not materialize, materialize the way that he had anticipated. But there's still a path forward here. They, they have an opportunity. It's not the one that you, you dream up in a perfect scenario, but they have an opportunity. And if he really wants the effing trophy back and he really wants to stop this, this season after season run of missing the playoffs and having a losing product, he can go out and spend. He can go out and do it. So, I, I, you know, to me, you have to add. You have to add with where this team's at. Even if objectively speaking, it doesn't 
necessarily make total sense. Or if, you know, someone came in and said, this is the roster, this is where you're at, no thanks. But this team, where they're at right now, they have to. When they do go out and get somebody, it, it can't be a rental. Right, it can't be a it can't be a, a four month rental. It's got to be a guy that they can extend. Would you think? Yeah, um, it, it just depends really what the the price is. Like, so if um, for instance, uh, you know, Starling Marte, uh, he's a guy that he would be a rental player if you can get him on a deal that doesn't absolutely break your back. I mean, you know, that's something you look at. But if you're asking me, do you trade Alec Boom uh, for two months of Chris Bryant? Like that's tough. Like I don't, I don't see how that works. Like, what if Bryant resigned? Yeah. Okay. So, like, the idea there, I guess, is what get him here, get him in the the red pinstripes, and maybe he'll he'll fall in love and best friends with Bryce, Bryce Harper, Harper, Las Vegas, all that bullshit. Um, <laughs> like, how many? Like, I love that stuff. Like, none of that shit. Matters. Oh, Bryce Harper named his dog Wrigley, so he was going to go play for the Cubs and all that. Yeah. Yeah, I love all that stuff, but like. I just don't think you give up that player for, for a two-month rental, uh, even with the concerns that, that you have about Alec Boom right now. But for a guy that you can say, hey, listen, if, if the Cubs called, just, you know, to, to go back to this Boom-Cubs, you know, report or speculation, if they came back and said, he needs to be the centerpiece of the deal on your end, but we will work something out where Chris Bryant comes and Craig Kimbrell, who has an option beyond this year, comes – and the Phillies have this multi-year need at closer. It's going to be there again next year, mm-hmm. and that solves that issue. Then, like, yeah, I think that's something you talk about. But you can't part with meaningful win-now type players or, you know, guys that could be five, six, seven-year key pieces for a dude that will be here for two months on a team that has a ton of holes. What about Buxton? A little cheaper replacement if he would sign long-term. I think they were looking at $70 million for the Twins, and it fell through, so – yeah, I mean, really good player, uh, like a ton of upside. The Phillies long-term, I think, are – like, you know, you look at their defensive deficiencies that they have. Like, one thing that they can do is, is really improve that outfield defense and solidify that element of this team uh, beyond this season. So, a guy like Buxton is, is really an intriguing player. He has all the talent in the world, but, you know – very similar to what we used to say about the idea of Roman Quinn. And don't get me wrong. Like, Buxton is a far superior player. I mean, far superior. But it's like the injury caveat always quickly hmm. follows. Like, can he stay healthy? Can he stay on the field? Um, and, and so there is a little bit of inherent risk with that, that particular player. I like the Polish Rocket in center field, Jankowski. He's got a better war than uh, a doable right now. I would like to see if, if they don't go center field and they and they they uh, pay more attention to to arms. I think coming out of the deadline, I would have hopes. I think hopes for the future. If they came out and got a couple arms that we can have for the back end of the rotation, or like you said, the bullpen. Like I think we need a a couple of guys in the bullpen with arms in the starting rotation that can give us a couple of years that might have a club option. Like you said on Kimbrel. I don't know if you want to go Kimbrel though. Do I, do I really want to part with, you know, the prospects? Cause it feels like Dave Dombrowski after talking with John Clark, he's like close, close to being Dave Dombrowski on the Red Sox and just selling the entire farm system. And I know I'm a, I'm a win now guy. I, if you, if you go for it, I'll be behind you. But I think like you said, before we talked on this podcast, that, I don't know if this team 
has it, and I don't know if I'm able to shell out prospects to get swept in the NLCS by the Dodgers. Yeah, I think that's a fair question. So you look at guys like Boom, Spencer Howard. I forgot about I forgot about Spencer Howard until you just mentioned him. You know, you look at a guy like Bailey Falter, who I think is a really intriguing prospect. I mean, he's already here. Um, I mean, Moniac, Moniac seems to be like he could be on the block if it was the right, the right deal was there. Oh, I think that that would definitely be in play. They have some intriguing players at high A level. Um, it's not like they're completely bereft of talent where they, they can't make any moves. But to your point, yes, I do think that in a perfect world, if you're Dave Dombrowski and you're like, well – listen, we're, we're considering leveraging some of our, our minor league system in order to improve this team to try to make a run this year. In an ideal world, it would be balanced out with additions that would give you something in 21 and at least in 22 as well. I, I think you would like to try to, in a perfect world, make deals that, that can make you better for, for multiple years. Um, but you know what? You know, not to be cliche, but I mean, it does take two to tango and the market will dictate uh, the, the cost. And, you know, I, I may have said it last week. I, I know I've said this a little bit lately in a couple different places, you know, because I just do so many radio hits and podcasts because I'm popular. Uh, but baseball bro, he's at, he's at a need. Yeah, yeah. The brand is always growing. Um, <laughs> I, I just think it's a, a situation where you, you have to just, you have to wait and see like for some teams, it is like, do it now. Why wait eight days? Like, why wait eight days? Like, you can make your team better right now this week. But a lot of times, the market's not ready to, to, to sell. You know, there are still teams that are like the Phillies trying to figure out what they want to do. Like, so the Phillies, I think, are, are really best served to wait and drag this thing out to the, the very last hour. Because while you shouldn't make deals based on the, the night before, you know, like, we felt a lot better about the Phillies, what, Sunday night than we mm-hmm. did after watching Aaron Nola last night. So your outlook sort of changes in the short term. But there is a difference between being two games out on July 30th and being five and a half, six games out. Like, three games matter. So if the Phillies are, you know, go full tank here over the next week, then I, I really do think that that changes your tact. Cole Hamels, um, he was hitting 88, top of 90 on the gun. I'm not as big on him as it seems like a lot of Phillies people. I think a lot of people are putting nostalgia into it and whatnot. Um, Dave Dombrowski did say he would need about 30 to 40 days to get up to speed. So we're saying even if they sign him on August 1st, he's not getting innings until at least September 1st, maybe even later. Everyone said, hey, maybe he can help out with the pitchers. I don't see that either. I mean, Aaron Noah, Zach Wheeler, they've been in the big leagues for over five years now. What's he going to do? Help Zach Eflin a little bit? Help Matt Moore and and some of the young? Like, is he really going to do much? What is your thoughts on on Cole Hamels? Uh, I would not be bringing Cole Hamels in to to work as a player coach. Like yeah. that is the last thing I know. There was this idea late last year. He was really helpful with the Braves young staff, and he left, and they've struggled. There's no direct evidence to suggest that Cole Hamels played any role in that at all. Really. So you have to really like the stuff. You have to kind of believe that can this guy give us six starts down the stretch and, you know, maybe a, a start or two in the postseason. Like that's what you have to ask yourself. Can this guy give us eight, nine starts, assuming we make the playoffs? And will those starts be better than what we have right now? You got to figure you're not trading prospects. You're not, you're not expecting him to be Cole Hamels of old. I know that he had a really good start to the 2019 season. The back end of it was not good. He, he only pitched three innings last year. 
you can't go into it with the expectation that he's going to give you like a number two, number three type of upgrade. But can he plug these gaping holes that you have in four or five right now? Maybe. Like, would you feel better about a Matt Moore or Vince Velasquez or, a, you know, the fill-in for Zach Eflin than, than Cole Hamels right now? And I, I think that's tough. I really do. Like, I would probably roll the dice. And from a financial standpoint, he's probably not going to cost you a ton of money. You know, there may be multiple teams bidding, but he's not going to cost you a ton of money. And quite frankly, from a financial standpoint, he means more to the Phillies than any other team. Like, if let's say, I don't know, the Mets go out and sign Cole Hamels. Are people going to, like, go buy tickets to see Cole Hamels pitch? No. Like, Mets fans are going to say, like, He's a stopgap four or five guy. Like, that's cool. Hope it works out. Yeah. If the Phillies sign him, people are going to go see Cole Hamels. I mean, you're going to get 40,000 people out there to go see a team that's really kind of struggled to draw this season. So you're going to get a financial jolt and get some of that money back. So from that standpoint, it's like the ultimate, like, it can't hurt. Now, everyone said really nice things the other day after his, his little showcase. But if the Phillies sent a scout or two out there, watched him throw and said, this looks like horse shit, well then, yeah, obviously steer clear. But if they thought it was functional and that he could build up over the next four weeks, why the hell not? I, I just can't. I, I, I don't know. I just don't, I don't say it. I think you're just – I mean, I, I see it because you're, you're, you're putting a Band-Aid on a problem. And it's like, hey, why not pay him whatever, the veteran, let's say the veteran minimum, and, and bring him in and try to stop that. But – I don't know. Maybe I just don't care enough about nostalgia. Maybe I just didn't, you know, I didn't like Space Jam 2. By rule of thumb, I'm not, like, for the reunion. Like, I don't, okay. like, I'm not just like, a, like, oh, it would be such a great story. I mean, it would. It's free. It's just easy for me to write about that type of stuff. But I'm not having a reunion for the sake of a reunion. It has to make some sense from a baseball standpoint. And, you know, I just think given the current state of where they're at and so much uncertainty in the rotation, you know, I, I – can think of worse ideas, I guess. All right, we're sitting here next Wednesday, July 28th. Who's on this team from the big guys? I don't think the Phillies will make a move before we talk again. Okay. I, I don't. I just don't. I think that they will probably make a move the day that we talk or – or the 29th, like leading up to. But I, I just don't think they're going to make um, a move of significance. Like they may go out and do a little dumpster dive here for this weekend because they have some, some issues, uh, immediate issues. But that like this is the thing that's going to change the complexion of the team. I just don't think it's going to happen in the next seven days. Do you think it'll be Kimbrell and Bryant when it's all said and done? I, if I had to like bet, like you just said, hey, even odds, like yes or no on, on Craig Kimbrell and or Chris Bryan, I would say no, but mm-hmm. I wouldn't be astonished either. Like I know that's a cop out, no. but like there's so many different things that have to come into play for that type of deal to materialize. Like that's a big deal. It's a complicated deal. So I think just from a, from a, um, you know, historical standpoint, you have to bet against it. But I do think the Phillies are going to, to be aggressive. I really do. I, like, I, I think they're going to do something where you say, like, okay, they're trying. When it's all said and done, they might not do the big thing, but I think you'll say come August 1st when the dust settles, like, okay, like, they're trying. Would you be comfortable with Suarez closing for the rest of the year? No. 
Um, I wouldn't. I really like Ranger Suarez. He's a really valuable piece. He's super versatile. Uh, I think he's capable of getting outs late in games in big spots. Um, but when you talk about the ninth inning, you don't get to play matchups in the ninth inning. Mm-hmm. You, you know, if, if he's your guy and you're going to go with a traditional closer, like, you get who you get. Whereas, you know, you can look at a lineup in the sixth or seventh or eighth and, and say, this is how we're going to best deploy him. Uh, fortunately, when, when you have a guy like that, you need to have stuff. You have to have plus-plus stuff to consistently get outs in the ninth inning. And Ranger Suarez can command pitches. The changeup is, is phenomenal at times. But if he doesn't have his best stuff, he's going to get beat. And, uh, you know, I don't want to use one bad, you know, bad outing or blown save like he had on Saturday night against the Marlins as an indictment of him as the closer. But I just don't believe that that type of stuff plays up on a consistent basis in the ninth inning. So I think that in, in a perfect world, you use him when he should be best utilized. Uh, and I just don't think that's consistently in the ninth inning. Anything else you yeah. want to talk about that we didn't get to? No, I mean, you know what? One thing I will say, when you looked at the game last night, I, I really do think the offense is, is one reason for being optimistic. Like, they, they struggled last night. They left 11 guys on base. They weren't very good with runners in scoring position in some big spots. JT Realmuto grounds into a double play on the first pitch. Bases loaded. That was a killer. Yeah. Reese Hoskins hits a home run earlier in the game, draws a couple walks, has some nice at-bats. Then he comes up with a, a big spot late in the game, gets a call third strike on a borderline pitch. Like, those are the plays, right? Like, I don't need to talk about the Yankees game last night, whatever. But if this team's going to make a run again, like, things have to get better in the starting rotation. you got to fix the bullpen. But, like, they need those dudes in those big spots to execute in a more consistent basis. And, like, it didn't happen last night. And your stars have to bail you out and overcome your deficiencies in key moments down the stretch. And that's one thing they better start doing. McCutcheon is probably the only guy I trust right now to get a hit in crunch time. I feel like yeah. he's always in a, in a good spot. Yeah, he's been good. I mean, you know, in fairness to Real Muto, had a killer bat last night, hits a walk-off in the uh, resumption on Sunday. You know, so, listen, it's not like, hey, it's, it's this player, it's his fault, he's got to be better. But team-wide, you need your horses to just – they got to pull the cart. They got to do it, you know. And that's really what the Phillies have to bank on here. All right. Well, this is Wanko Wednesday. I hope next week is a little more positive. I can feel us a little, a little down. Hey, if we were coming off of this – like Sunday, a win against the Yankees. I was bye, gonna bye, cut, bye. I was <laughs> gonna cut a promo like you've never seen before, like nineties era WWE. Oh, it was gonna be DX. It was gonna be suck it if you weren't down with the Phillies. Oh, it was gonna be awesome. So maybe that's <laughs> hey, a little listen, they'll, uh, they'll be in it, man. They'll be in it. You can you can kind of be real about things, but also know that they still will hang. They'll hang. They'll have shots. All right. Well, that's Bobby Wankel. Bob, where can people read you? Where can people find your tweets that are getting a lot more engagement? And stop fighting. Stop going back and forth with the, with the people with the mascot. My issue, listen, the only reason why I responded to this. You were usually, right. I'll let, that, I'll let that roll off. I'll let that roll off. Not only was I right, of course I was right. But, like, <laughs> the, the guy that did the tweet for 97.5, like, that was kind of an out-of-context tweet. It looked soft. It was like, the Phillies need to be careful with Zach Wheeler. Well, you know, that, like I didn't see did, that. I didn't see that one. Yeah, so 97.5, I did a hit on Sunday afternoon, and uh, with Broads, uh, Hunter okay. Brody, who I like, good dude, like, oh, but whoever dude. was running social, um, sent out a tweet. It was like Bob Wankel says the Phillies need to be cautious with Zach Wheeler down the stretch, which like oh, is true. They fucked you. But like you. what I was saying was like they need to like take, they need to be smart about it. Like for instance, they had a game against the Cubs right before the break. They're down five nothing early. 
Wheeler's throwing like 50 pitches. They're not winning the game. Cut his night short. Don't have him pitch into the six and have him throw 100 pitches. I'm not saying they need to skip starts or go three innings with the dude on a consistent basis. So all these people are like, what are you, nuts? He's their best pitcher. I'm like, yeah, no shit, he's their best pitcher. This isn't exactly what I said. And so I felt the need to defend myself because I didn't want to come across looking soft. I love this. I, this is the most, like, excitement, like, animosity I've ever seen out of you right now. I love this, Bob Wankel. This is why you come on this podcast, and I clip videos. And we don't do any edits in those videos. And we get all your quotes, and they're there for the world to see. That being said, like, I'm not blaming the 97.5 guy. Like, he, I'm blaming the 97 social guy. He no, hung you out the dry, Bob. He hung he you like, out the dry. He quoted what I said, which is fine. But it just, like, in a tweet by itself, it kind of looked like I was, like – suggesting like don't don't pitch zach wheeler too too much you know that's not what i was saying you don't want to burn out little zach wheeler's arm yeah yeah no no on this podcast we put out the full quotes okay the 97.5 guy who's working who's the intern working on on the weekends over there hanging you out to dry i will have the full quotes out you always pick the ones that i feel the most uneasy about you do a great job I know. I, I actually do like, I do sometimes when I'm clipping them, I, I do like, hmm, will Bob retweet this one? This one might be a little uncomfortable for Bob. I'm like, I, I'll give it the like. I'll just say like, hey, I see you out there working. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I'm going to just let your, your organic listeners check this one out, you know, but, uh, you know. Okay, fine. <laughs> I'll, mix in, I'll mix in a softball for you every now and then now. Why don't you tell me this stuff, Bob? I just, you know. Just letting it, letting it happen. I, right. I, I, I do not want to give you any uh, editorial advice. So you can give me all it. the editorial advice in the world. I'm like a spring chicken, baby. <laughs> all right, buddy. All Thanks right, for, as always, I'll talk to you next week when Chris Bryan and Craig Kimball are on the team.